So, Susan, you haven't been with us for a while, mm-hmm. so I'm going to ask you to read verses 1 to 7 of chapter 4 of Galatians. Okay. Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So in order that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So from being slaves, enslaved to the elemental spirits of the world, to being sons and daughters of God, I have to add the daughters, Uh otherwise I feel disenfranchised from the text. Talk about a relationship change. Mm-hmm. Well, why does it say at the very beginning, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he's owner of everything? Well, well, if you think about it, you know, as, as, a, as a little child, you don't really have access to the resources of, of the family, really. I mean, you're... You have you're, you're being trained, and you're pretty much told what to do right, until you right. learn. Uh, and so you're, it's not that you're different from the way that, that slaves are treated. Right. Okay, I get it. I wasn't thinking child as an age. I was just thinking mm-hmm. as child. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, that makes sense now. I, I think my translation may make that clear. My point is that this errors as long as they are minors. Yes, it does say that on the comments. <laughs> I just read that. Yeah. Okay. And I think, too, the previous chapter, he's told them how foolish they are. Uh, and they're, they are being childlike in the sense that they're just following off after these uh, legalizers, and um, they've been easily deceived. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so they're being childlike, and so really they're no different to being a slave to these other people, these Judaizers that are deceiving yeah. them. Yeah. That's a good point. I see them as, I see Paul as trying to create a bridge. He always starts from where they are and moves to where he wants them to be. And so he starts with this, and here he comes to. And one thing that um, that I was just reminded in this that isn't exactly on point what we've been talking about here, but something that just really hit me uh, uh, when I was... Oh, it's been a number of years ago. I was reading somewhere they were talking about the the in the Roman world of adoption and what that meant, and that one of the things the the thing that really stuck with me was how it said that if as a Roman you adopted someone into your family, that you could disown a natural son, but you could not disown an adopted son or daughter. That that mm-hmm. once they were once you had adopted them. That was there was no going back from that, and that the the adopted child could choose to leave the family and, and go and have nothing more to do with them, but you could not. Um, hmm. 
and uh, anyway, that so if always, we're adopted as children, God cannot disown us, and we cannot leave Him. Well, we could choose to leave Him. Okay, um, but uh, <coughs> He can't but, choose to but, ado- to disown but us. But there is no going back from on His side. Huh. Mm. That's why union with Christ is so strong. Mm. That's nice. That's kind of wild. It makes it even more. It just makes it stronger. Right, and it was something that bond. you know. That was something that that people took very seriously. Uh, that this was not just something. Oh yeah, you you know, just you know, you're kind of you know, we'll see if this works out, kind of thing. That it, no, this was. And you couldn't uh, take. You couldn't take. You could keep a slave a slave, absolutely. but you couldn't take him into the family and treat him as family unless you adopted him. Right. I mean, I'm sure you, there was uh, you could treat them, you know, however you wanted as a slave. I don't know that there's rules that said you couldn't do that, but to, okay. and, and I imagine that it was much more common to do that than to actually formally adopt. So if you you know really okay. liked you know someone, you're more likely just to treat them well, um, and but not actually formally adopt them because that had huge ramifications usual, legally and yeah. The usual reason for adopting a slave uh, was that you didn't have an heir. Mm -hmm. And that goes all the way back to the ancient world of uh, Abraham's game. Right, well, even Abraham talked about adopting. He would have to adopt Eliezer. Eliezer, right. Mm -hmm. I keep thinking about Ben-Hur. I know it's not a true story, but (laughs) how he, you know, gets adopted by... That Roman uh, governor who's very powerful and gets the ring, but then he keeps being pulled back to his people and he kind of like rejects it. Um, but that man still embraces him as a son. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's, it's probably true to the life of the times. So let's look at uh, verse 6 more closely, verses 6 and 7. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, or your hearts, as other ancient authorities have it, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child, and if a child, then also an heir through God. Some from authorities say, through Christ which I think is more likely to be Pauline. <clears throat> it's interesting that Paul uses this term, Abba. None of the other apostles do, except in the Gospels, when they're recording Jesus using the word. Paul, who, who didn't follow Jesus around and never heard him say that, had to rely on the Gospels for this, crying, Abba, Father. And of course, Abba is the Aramaic version of Av, which is the Hebrew word for father. Most New Testament scholars believe that Abba, though, is a vernacularization of Av, or Ab in in Aramaic, and that it therefore corresponds to our dad or daddy. And Bruce Metzger suggested... I think it was Bruce, 
Max, Max Metzger, who said that his perception was that when Jesus ever addressed God as Father, he was addressing him as Abba. So in the Lord's Prayer, when he tells them to pray, our Abba in heaven, he carried it into that. I've never been clear on the evidence for that, but that was his take. Um, before we started here, when you were talking about the shift that it had made for you when you started using that in, in, in praying, and so on, it was also, and you know, the difference that what that means for relationship, or also when asking your, your students to to stop calling you Dr. Sheldon um, uh, <clears throat> afterwards, um, I was also thinking about how that uh, I have kind of the, the same sort of thing as far as the, the hospital of just you know um, of saying you know when we're not around patients or if we're outside of the hospital or whatever I don't go by doctor um, and just you know I, I prefer that but we also um, we were back uh, when we were back visiting uh, a couple weeks ago ran into a, so, uh, friends of ours who the whole time we were there, I mean, we had no dealings with them at the hospital or anything else, but they always referred to me as doctor, and, and I really wish they would stop. And uh, while it's not incorrect... It changes it, the relationship. It does, and that's, and that's one of the reasons, actually, why I don't, I don't lead with the fact of being a doctor, um, but when we but lived there, everywhere we went, that's the pastors would say, "This is Doctor Blue, and this is his <laughs> wife, yeah. and she's um, doing a PhD." And we would hate that. We could tell this stuff, you know, and that tells everything that, about us to these other people. It's like that's all you it's are. It's like a complete conversation killer. I mean, forget right. about any natural conversation right. after that. Because it's, we it's, have it's to very tell different. Them again and again. Yeah, because right? it just. It would Please put a barrier there to, to to actually developing a normal relationship. You know that it worked a whole lot better if we get to know people for a while, <laughs> and then they find out. Even then, it often would change things, but at least it wouldn't be as profound as if that got thrown when out I, there. I got introduced um, at camp meeting as Doctor Sheldon. Uh-huh. <clears throat> I got up and I said, "Forget the doctor bit. That doesn't matter. I'm Jean." <laughs> that really seemed to get. To the person who did that, mm-hmm. he had to comment on that almost every time. Oh, <laughs> really? He like he didn't like that? Um, oh, it's something about my egalitarianism, and and you know, mm-hmm. and oh, we don't call her Doctor Sheldon, and uh, you know. <laughs> How interesting! <laughs> but that, um, yeah. But then it, it just that I'm just thinking from my that, wi- that wife. That was funny. <laughs> the wife. Oh yeah, no. I that, um, but yeah, there was a, um, <clears throat> a a physician that I knew whose wife worked in his office. That it was funny that she she would always refer to him as as Doctor X or whatever. And uh, Have I anyway, uh, but that was an entirely different. No, but I was just thinking as far as just from from my perspective how. I really would prefer people just to skip past that, um, and I was just was kind of wondering from God's side mm-hmm. how what he, 
what he wants, uh, how what how he prefers to be referred to. Mm, he likes to uh, be praised, though. Well, yeah, uh, but, but you know, you know what? <laughs> here's my here's well, yeah. You just hit the wrong button with me, but or the right button just to get going. <laughs> um, this whole thing of God's name, you know, the Jews became very punctilious about not saying the name Yahweh. Right. Which is the closest we can come to knowing what it actually, how it actually was pronounced. Because they were so afraid of breaking the third commandment. And that became their whole obsession instead of recognizing the, that third commandment is so much bigger and, and that they're actually breaking it by trying to keep it in that way. Um, because what they did is substitute the word Adonai. Right. So every time in the Hebrew in the Hebrew uh, scrolls, as they came to uh, those th- four letters, the Tetragrammaton, mm-hmm. they would say Adonai, Adonai, which is Lord, Lord, Lord. And so when you think of what a change in relationship with that, right. Lord, in the, that's oh, that's right. That's uh, and and that's Yahweh, Yahweh, mm-hmm. Yahweh doesn't mean anything like that. It's I am who I am. That's all it right. means. It is it's it a ver- form of the verb to be. Mm-hmm. That's what Yahweh means. I yeah. am. I am. Actually, Yahweh doesn't mean I am. Actually, Yahweh itself is a perversion of the original name. The original name in Hebrew is Eya. Yeah, It is I am. Yahweh is he is. So they, they, and already they changed the name to avoid pronouncing it, and that's all they needed to do. But they had to go that step further and change the name to Lord. And think of the change of relationship that makes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's still plenty of awe attached know, to I Yahweh. I don't know what it meant to them. It meant I am. I am. It, it, it meant he is actually literally, but it meant. Oh God, it won't have meant to them personally to change that, like. How oh, it happens. Because the way they related to Alida, it happens before the exile. Okay. It happens before the exile because you have that sh- that recognition of God as Adonai with uh, Ezekiel, with some of the Psalms, the pre-exilic Psalms, with uh, some of the other prophets. I think Isaiah. But they're in the shadow of ancient Near Eastern ideology of kingship, and that ideology of kingship is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And I think it's a product of that ideology because Adonai means my master, my as a master of slave. It means uh, my lord as in king. It means uh, it has all of those uh, very vertical mm-hmm. kinds so of relationships. It's very hierarchical. It's a very hierarchical term. Where, where I am has no sense of it's, it's it's a it's, it's a, a state of being. of being. It's just yeah. who I am. Right. So I really I feel that they did a, a sort of service, and of course, what happened is in in the Septuagint version of the Bible, um, they substituted Yahweh with Kyrios, which means Lord. That's meaningful to Greek people, though. Uh, to Greek speaking, of course, the Septuagint wasn't created for the Greeks. It was created; it was used for the Greeks by Paul, but it was created for the Hellenized. The, it was created for the Jews who no longer spoke Hebrew. 
What is Septuagint? Egypt. It's the Greek translation of the Old Testament. It's just and in theory, it was put together by 70 people who were scholars, and the Septuagint just refers to 70. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, supposedly the, the, the myth goes, and it's a myth. It's, okay. <laughs> I don't think it's true, but the 70 elders went and, and translated the Septuagint exactly the same, and so it's therefore the most inspired, uh, you see. Oh, I'm sure there's lots of version in the middle of that. <laughs> Seventy people. <laughs> How do we say this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't imagine it was yeah. all. No, no. I, well, it's the Jewish very hard to imagine. Will say anytime there you have two Jews on a, any topic, there'll be three opinions. So, <laughs> um, so I mean, with seventy, I mean, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, to me, it's a disservice. To see that, to to view God as Lord, it's it's too limiting. It also becomes a very human term, looking at at God through very human eyes as uh, this hierarchical being, this ruler, this governor, this slave master, who is uh, separate, who is separate from so us. So you think the scriptures have been corrupted by this? We have. <laughs> I won't say the scriptures have. I say we have because we don't recognize this history. Uh, we we went ahead and uh, because the Latin Vulgate went by the Septuagint and translated it in, as Lord, and then all the English versions subsequent have gone the same route. It didn't have to be that way. They could. I mean, Jerome was heavily influenced by Jews in Jerusalem. He hung out with them. He studied under them. Uh, he could have gotten to the bottom of this, and he could have changed his mind on that. Mm-hmm. But didn't. But didn't. Well, God always works with us with where we're at. And so I'm thinking that God understands our... Okay. to balance this out. Yeah, that we can... It's easier for us to relate to a God, to the God, in this way, So versus... The sense of an I am. We can't respect someone who's this way. We, we yeah. are so, I'm better yeah. than you, I'm worse than you. Yeah, we right. are so dominated by that, that we cannot handle that egalitarian it's very, model. very, difficult. And so Jesus says to his disciples, you call me Master and Lord, for so I am. Mm-hmm. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet. And he then lowers. He always uses it in a way to say, contrary to what you think this means, this is what it does. Right. Well, it's it's kind of like just like you saying, well, referring to you as Dr. Sheldon is not incorrect. Mm -hmm. No. It's appropriate, but it's not the preferred, you know, in in these situations, it would not be a preferred. I I have to admit that I always think of, when I think about this, I always think of Jesus' words that let no one call you Father, let no one call you, what is it? I can't think of the other titles. Mm-hmm. He, he, anyway, and he would add, do, don't let them call you Teacher, even, right. uh, which let alone Doctor, you know. Mm-hmm. I always think of that. If I felt I could get away with it, I would never have my students call me Doctor. But I, I do have them call me doctor because I don't think they're ready yet for a relationship 
on the other level. Again, thinking of that in yeah. the perspective of God, I think that's why he meets us there. Yeah. Because I don't think we're ready. Or, or, or he wants us there, though. He wants us at least there. In that relationship place. But, but we're such kids. We're such children. <laughs> yes. That um, we, there's something about us that we need that. Or, you know, or it takes so much to get to that point of... You know, the I am. I'm, I'm feeling mm-hmm. differently about God when I call him, when I say, dear God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling different about him when I call him, dear Lord. You think of Jesus' own journey, who repeatedly referred to God as Father, all the way through, especially the Gospel of John. And then on the cross, my God, my God. Oh, he says God. Why have you forsaken me? He's feeling that distance, that separation. And God is just easier to say than my father. He can't bear to say, my father, you've separated from why? Mm. Yeah, because he's not feeling it at that point. (laughs) Yeah, and God's become a swear word, but father never has been. No. Yeah. When I talk about swearing to my students, and I rarely do, I rarely bring that up, but when I have, I've asked the question, so do you do that to your friends? Do you say, oh, Sally? Right. (laughs) (laughs) No, we don't do that to our friends. Well, how much less should we do it to God? Well, I, 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 yeah, but I, I think the reason why is that it's it, that it happens this way is simply that even for those who aren't, you know, have no connection with Christianity or whatever, that there is a recognition of the fact that there is power in in those names, um, and that somehow. Hmm. That it, that it, there is a physiological so a, swearing whatever. is a it's a attempt to have power over yeah. over I, oh that's I, a new thought to that me. is a good one uh, and I, I don't I I don't know exactly how it all fits together but I, there there's something about um, either that or an attempt to try and diminish the power that's inherent uh, in those names or something. to tear them down. Because yeah. they feel abused by them. The uh, situation you, you, is horrible, so therefore we well, can Well, or maybe not because you feel abused by them, but that you're, uh, but you're that just it's a satanic God. attempt to try and... Curse God. To just, uh, to try and either just through um, making it just too common or just linking it with other things to just to diffuse or diminish the, the power. That's but that's still cursing. Yeah. That, because um, there's actually two words for curse in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. There's arar, which means to flat out formally curse mm-hmm. in a, as in a statement. And that can be anyone. Uh, there's another term that's milder. It's kalal. Kalal, which mm-hmm. means to diminish, to mistreat, to tear down to um, disrespect mm-hmm. to you know etc right and so yeah so disrespecting uh, would be I think part of so that so certainly profanity is kalal at mm-hmm. least if but, not kalal uh, but I do think as, as you mentioned earlier as far as with the uh, not taking God's name in vain I, I think 
the, the actual what most people think of just the thinking okay well just don't swear don't use it in the name commonly I, I think that misses the broader point of of I think it has a lot more to do with calling yourself one of God's people and then living in a way that completely Absolutely. goes against that. Um, it means misrepresenting him, whether it's by speech or by action. Uh, his Misrepresenting his character. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's yeah. actually far more harmful than than the other. Right, because we think that if we don't swear, we, then you've we're, got we're pretty pious. Right. But if 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 I mistreat my brother or sister, I'm actually swearing. Right, and you know, and most of the people that I know who have had exposure either from being grown up within a Christian home, or at least have had enough experience with Christians, and who have who want nothing to do with it, it's because of the way that they've been treated and the way that God has been represented to them by other people calling themselves Christian. You're saying about there being power in the name Mm -hmm. God. I just, the thought that came to mind, how interesting that um, devil and his names have never been used as curse words. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, that's an interesting thought. Yeah. (laughs) <clears throat> we're too afraid of them. Is that it? Or I think, or it could be also the kind of the instigating power behind. Okay, it, there it's, you it's go. Coming from Satan doesn't allow himself to be cursed, but he'd like to curse God. He doesn't exist, right? That's how he presents. He doesn't even exist. Well, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I find it completely fascinating that people will not question, or they question God's existence. Where is he? Um. Oh, wait, hold on. Am I saying this the right way? Because mm-hmm. um, I've had people that say, why, why would God do this to me that don't believe in the devil? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how weird is that? Why, why that instead of the devil has done this? Or you know what I'm saying? It's kind of a strange thing that. Yeah. Well, that's. This, I mean, that was a major coup on Satan's part. Was to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To be able to start blaming everything on God. On God. From the get-go. I think he's been masterful at trying to get people not to believe in him. In him, in the devil. Exactly. Yeah. Um, to blame it all on God. Yes, mm-hmm. or not believe in God, or blame everything on God. Right. right. And often the not believing in God is because they blame God. Be, exactly. And so that's uh, one of my best friends growing up. That's the, where he is. I mean, because I, I could say things. probably about half of my students who are atheists or agnostic, mm-hmm. half of them have rejected God because of suffering. Exactly. It's not everybody, but... But yeah, the, the young man that we were, like you that. mentioned that you had this summer, mm-hmm. um, I'm almost certain has had some kind of trauma in childhood. It just the only that's the only thing that makes sense his behaviors and attitudes. 
Which is kind of fascinating in itself to say that you don't believe in God because by the fact that you say it, you believe that he's out there in order enough to reject him. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of... It kind of doesn't make no, sense. No, but it, none of these people say, God, who? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. They, they just right. say, no, I don't believe yeah. in God. Right. Like, he's still an object. But the irony in all that is, okay, let's say you're right. There is no God. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make the situation any better. The, the pain doesn't go right. away. Nothing, nothing, nothing gets changes. better except yeah. all you've done is eliminate the only hope that we have for actually right. transcending uh, right. the situation. That is so true. But it's not even pain. Uh, you know, growing up in Australia, people swear something shocking. I mean, every third word or every second sentence. It, you, when I go back there and I hear it, it's like, oh my goodness, because Americans just do not swear. Like Although it's way do. worse now than when I was a kid. Yeah, I've heard um, people through here now. It used to, when I was a child... Oh, my blank the, is very, Yeah, very exactly. Uh, and mm-hmm. that, um, the, that, you know, the various and sundry uh, words, that, that that was actually a sign of someone who was uneducated. Um, right. And mm-hmm. that... That's educated people didn't Educated, swear. you had the vocabulary to exactly. be able to ex- express yourself. Exactly. And that that is just... Gone completely out the window it's now. So true. I I read a story. And I'm trying to think of the man's name. A pastor, Jan Doward, wrote several books. He took. He actually, I think, was a high school teacher. He took a group of high school students to Yosemite. They had a terrible swearing problem. Just. Mm-hmm. Blue. And he took them up to the higher levels of of Yosemite and got them lost in nature. He never said a word about God, never said a word against swearing, never addressed that at all. By the end of those days, they were so odd, and they they couldn't help but think about the Creator and who created this amazing place. They had stopped swearing. (laughs) And I, I really think that when we do that, it's a sign we just really do not know God. We just really do not have mm-hmm. a close relationship with Him. Right. That must have been a group of students before phones. Yes. <laughs> because <laughs> Otherwise you can, they, yeah. they, they'd be in the midst of nature on their phones and not getting that ah, sense. Of course, <laughs> of course you go to Yosemite. <laughs> You can't be on the phone. But there's no cell there's phone. There's no cell phone reception. <laughs> Which I think is a good thing. Yeah. Or picture taking is the other thing, you know. Yeah. Sometimes we get yeah. lost in picture taking and missing the arm. No, you would have to take their phones mm-hmm. <laughs> away now. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that, that to work. kind of uh, interrupted. You were starting to say about the swearing in Australia. Um, oh, yeah. Um, just that when you don't swear, you know, even as a child, you stand out like... And I didn't notice. I remember a little girl saying to me, I went to an all-girls school, Katrina, why don't you swear? Like, we notice that you don't swear. And, like, so by not swearing, you know, people really notice that. Uh, so in Australia, that's part of a, a witness, actually, is just not engaging in that. Even though you hear, you're bombarded with it constantly. It must be kind of hard not, not to get that. Just one word, a whole that. colorful range of words. 
Um, it must be kind of hard to keep your mind pure from that. Oh, my goodness. There's just so many things that drag you down. It's like you're constantly you know, on my knees saying, I'm sorry, God, but not even realizing that the fact that I wasn't verbalizing anything was a huge witness. Well, and I think part of the struggle today, too, is just not wanting to stand out. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, and so there's a lot of, I don't know if that's a conscious yeah. effort or something, but there's a lot of this, mm-hmm. is, which is weird because there's areas where we don't want to stand out and there's areas where you want to have the perfect picture or whatever to stand yes. out. You know, there's just so much of that going on. I was on. at a Christian school too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to just stay on this. Because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through Christ. I just love this movement from slavery to to being children of God. And Jesus took us a step further. He says, I no longer call you my servants, I call you my friends. That term friend has a long, difficult history. Because I, I came across this this last week, reading a book on the history of Babylon. Hammurabi conquered the people of Mari. Mari was a... a State city state along the Euphrates River, but so it was not, west. So not New Zealand. No, Maori. <laughs> not, not, not the Maori. No, no Maori, as in a, a ancient city state along the Euphrates, which was next, not that far away from Babylon. And so he, so Hammurabi conquers Maori and a whole bunch of other cities around about, and he says that he subjected them <coughs> under himself to be his friends. Oh, that doesn't go together. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> I would have been much more friendly if you just left me alone. <laughs> and I look at that and I scratch my head. He's or I shake my head, SMH. Um, and I think, how could they do this? And Ezra Haddon, and uh, Sennacherib and Ezra Haddon's treaty commands them to love Ezra Haddon. It doesn't work. You very can't well. do that either. So, it, like I say, friend in Jesus' day meant that you were, and I get these confused. You have a client benefactor relationship. And friend is part of that. Friend is the is the client who has to serve the benefactor. He has to before he does anything in the day, he has to go to his benefactor's door and ask what he wants done, and he has to do it before he goes to work. Um, so, friend, even in Jesus' day, has all this baggage that we don't think of when we see the word friend. So, but when Jesus uses the word friend. This is John fifteen fifteen. He says, I no longer call you my friends because I have shown you everything from my Father. 
a, fr- a, sl- a, a slave, a servant, doesn't know what his master is doing. But I have shown you everything. That's a true friend. All my secrets are out. You know me vulnerably. I've, I've been vulnerable to you. That's true friendship. And I think I see this a little bit in this uh, Abba Father. When you call, he's talking to children, okay? Children who are slaves. And transferring them to children who can call God Daddy and not feel like that's wrong, that they're going to get punished for that. That means that they can be as close to him as they want. And how frank are children with their fathers? They're not abashed saying, give me. <laughs> they, they actually command, use command words with their parents. And that's why the, the Lord's Prayer is full of imperatives. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Lead us not into temptation. Do Deliver us from evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes, our students do that <laughs> because they're our children in a sense. They haven't grown up yet. Let's stop. Dear God, thank you that we can call you Abba, Daddy, and be close to you and not have to keep you at arm's length. We can be both at awe of you and yet comfortable in your presence. May that be our experience with you on a daily basis. And may we somehow, by your grace, transmit that experience to our students. In Jesus' name, amen.